This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marketing Trends. I am super excited to kick off a really cool conversation, a really cool episode. We have in the studio, the virtual studio today, Jim Habig, the Vice President of Marketing at LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. Now, Jim has worked at some pretty epic brands. I also saw that Jim and I were at Google at the same time. Shout out to the big G. But Jim's got some really interesting background. I mean, he started off in sales at Meredith and then really got into marketing a couple of years into Meredith, really had some time at Hearst Digital, got into Google, went on to YouTube and was there at really YouTube for almost Gosh, 10 years, looks like seven, eight years at YouTube, onto Pinterest, and then has now been at LinkedIn for over a year as the vice president of LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. Jim, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Jeremy. It's great to be here. Super enthusiastic to, to chat with you today. And yeah, when you run it down like that, God, it sounds like a, I'm a journeyman of a career. But um, yeah, happy to happy to talk with you today. Man, super stoked. I loved how you actually have your LinkedIn set up. And I want to just touch on this because like you have all these cool places you've worked and you're like, you know, Google marketing manager learned how to build a content marketing discipline. YouTube learned how to shape and launch ad products, learned how to build product marketing team. I love that. I am curious though, for the Pinterest one, what did you learn at <laughs> Pinterest as the global head of business marketing there for a year? I just did an update it for Pinterest. I got to go back and do that. People have called me out <laughs> numerous times for that. Um, I guess I learned what GMV means. Uh, we were ah. very, um, very retail fo focused and that was exposing a different type of marketing to me. Uh, and I learned a, a ton uh, and it was, it was a great, it was a great run. And then, um, you know, tried, uh, tried my luck at another table over here at, at LinkedIn. Okay. All right. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that most of our audience is going to be very aware and familiar of LinkedIn and it's like suite of advertising and customer connection tools. But for anyone out there who is maybe not clicked into LinkedIn yet, will you describe kind of your perspective of the company and then your role as VP of marketing at, Mar you know, marketing solutions at LinkedIn? Sure. Well, I hope, I hope everyone's heard of us. If they haven't, we're really asleep at the wheel here. But, um, you know, one thing that people uh, that I found surprising about LinkedIn and I, I didn't fully appreciate until I was on the inside is LinkedIn is actually um, several LinkedIn's. There are, there are um, different business units within uh, capital L, capital I, all one word um, that all sort of serve a different um, subset of our of our audience. And so I work for LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. The easiest way to think about LMS is it's our ads business. It's essentially we're going out and, and trying to convince um, primarily B2B marketers that uh, this is the platform for them. This, this uh, should be an essential tool in their marketing toolkit. And why B2B? The B2B marketing landscape is unique. You know, B2B marketers have different and sort of idiosyncratic needs. So um, we really believe that we can... Uh, cater to those because of the professional graph that we have, because of the economic graph that underpins uh, our platform. And so um, that's really the the positioning of, of LMS and sort of what we think we can do for this broader marketing world. 
So what does it mean to you now? You know, what an interesting intersection that you sit at. I, I love this based on like your background and your perspective in marketing and, and marketing leadership. Now, here we are at the, at the, the jump off of 2023 looking across this really interesting kind of economic headwind, you know, scenario where a lot of brands, and I'm sure you're hearing this a lot, are doing more with less, having these kind of scenario planning and, you know, what, what, are, what are we doubling down on? What are we not doubling down on? And then here you are kind of leading marketing at, at, at LinkedIn Mark for the Marketing Solution Squad. Just what is your perspective as a marketing leader now, taking your, your history in marketing and marketing leadership, but looking out into the future of kind of what you see ahead? What's your just perspective and your opinion on like the state of marketing as a marketing leader in 2023? Yeah, I think the the fun of being in marketing uh, is we we get to see a lot of different angles on business. Because uh, when when you think about marketers, I can't think of another department that is expected to be as much of a generalist as as a marketing team. So you're not only you know in charge of the brand voice and identity and position and market, but you're in charge of sort of watching your competitors and triangulating with them. You're in charge of um, employee experience. You're in charge of attracting new talent. And there's just so much. And you have to be a pro on the business as well. So there's so much that goes into it. So looking out, I, I think this journey of marketing and being sort of like having our, our hands in all of these different um, you know areas of the business is just going to continue. And that's a really exciting place to be because... Um, you know, it, 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 it gives over to a atmosphere where you can sort of wear a lot of different hats and try different hats on and try different things. And for people who are uh, acolytes of like a growth mindset like myself, it really gives you a chance to just go into all these different, you know, sort of tributaries of the business and, and learn a lot and explore and then translate those skills to other ways. So I think that there's we're just going to see more fluidity more embrace of that generalism across marketers. I think um, some of the the distinctions in roles, I'm encouraged seeing them break down a little bit. Like we may talk a little bit about growth marketing and customer marketing. I'm, I'm encouraged to see actually we're sort of able to work across these and break down some of those distinctions. So I think, you know, casting my gaze out a little further, I think we're going to see a continuing... Um, you know, uh, breakdown of those silos and also just more fluidity and sort of fungibility across different um, different marketing disciplines. Super interesting. Yeah. And I mean, the, the data and the visibility that you must have, like you said, kind of across these different categories and industries that are leveraging the platform. I know for us, LinkedIn is our obviously our biggest, you know, media channel. And we love, I mean, all of the connections and visibility we get there. We see that growing every single day. So what what a cool seat you get to sit in I want to shift a little bit and talk about that really cool um, jobs report that that sure. you know popped out. And I just want to get your thoughts on that. There was this LinkedIn latest jobs on the rise list for 2023. A lot of talk online about it, and you know, there's a, all the you know we talked about the uncertain economies and the looming recession yeah. and all of these things slowing down. There are actually some really positive trends to consider based on this report. Would love to hear from you, kind of anecdotally about this this rise this rise list and kind of how long it's been around. How does LinkedIn kind of collect this information? What do you kind of see as the VP of marketing in terms of roles coming up and down the, down the line, and any surprising things from this report? Yeah, absolutely. This is a cool list, isn't it? Uh, and it, it, it definitely very, has import for for job seekers, for people who are looking to bolster their their skill set uh, and you know learn some more some new things. 
uh, and maybe make a career shift. And, and so the way we build this is, so as I sort of alluded to at LinkedIn, one of the beauties of LinkedIn is we sit on, uh, it's the closest thing you could imagine to like a professional census. So uh, we sit on this very unique data and we can tell what jobs are rising, what are sort of falling in the ranks. And so we've looked at this over the last five years now. So this is the, the fifth year of this report. Um, and we can tell, you know, what are those job types or job role, or those, those, you know, titles that are um, seeing disproportionate talent inflow. So what are, what are the ones that uh, more people are sort of flocking to? And it's just, a, it's a very cool barometer and it's a different lens on uh, how the economy is changing and how uh, the way we work and the, the things that we do at work uh, are changing over time. And obviously, with the economy in flux, I mean, it makes sense that the need to, you know, kickstart business growth is is a is a positive for marketing and sales growth professionals. But I I would have never guessed that so many marketing jobs would populate the top fifteen growing roles across the globe. This is really interesting. In in your opinion, Jim, like what's driving this this growing hunt for qualified growth marketing pros? Yeah. I mean, it's very encouraging, isn't it? You see a list of very the top growing jobs. It's like all these marketing jobs. Well, that's fantastic to see. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it underscores a recognition that uh, marketing is a critical function uh, for any organization's fortunes. You know, you, you need to be investing in your marketing. You're sort of investing in your future when you're investing in your marketing department. And that is, um, I think that's evident by just there's a preponderance of marketing and, and business development and sales roles on the list. And I, I think that that just underscores the sen- the collective sentiment amongst organizations that, hey, we, we really need to focus on this. We need to hone what our brand is about. We need to um, put a good foot forward to the industry and to our pr- pr- uh, prospective customers uh, and bring them, you know, bring them in. So, uh, I just loved, you know, the, the my big takeaway from it was, oh, look at all these great marketing roles. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's super encouraging. You know, tr- traditionally, uh, one of you know the the key focal points for a growth marketing manager is building brand advocacy. And mm-hmm. I'm curious, is this still the case in a, in an uncertain economy? From your view, or or has the focus really shifted to simply just keeping brands visible, authentic, and positive by its customers? Oh, no, I think it's going to become more important. You know, you look at, especially now in, a, in an era of constrained resources, I think your best marketing is done by happy customers. And so how do we uh, recruit and sort of enlist those customers to, to spread the good word about our products? You know, there's this wave of product-led growth, and it's, it's, it feels like a lot of folks are talking about this. And um, I do think that's a really important uh, feature of any successful marketing organization. So how are you thinking about um, coding that advocacy right into the product itself? And so it's something we've been, you know, we've been uh, pushing a lot in that direction, specifically with our product marketing team. But I, I think uh, in this time, you know, getting your brand out there and getting it uh, um, very visible is great. It can also be an expensive proposition. So the best way to do that, you know, the best way to drive product adoption is to build a great product. And the best way to get the word out is to make sure that you have, um, you know, a growing rank of of just super happy customers. How involved are you in in collaborating with the product with the product team specifically on the LinkedIn marketing solutions front? Like, are you spending a lot of time with the product folks? You know, revising things, adding you know 
things here and there. How what does that collaboration look like? Because I can see that being a really important one. Oh yeah, it's super important. We we spent a, a great deal of time with product. Um, this is sort of my heritage. I, as you pointed out at the top, I, I spent a long time as a product marketing manager at, at YouTube, and that's where I I learned that you know with as marketers paint with a lot of different brushes and a lot of different canvases, and as a product marketer, you're still um, trafficking trafficking in those ideas, but you're doing it in the product itself. So the more you can provide that um, customer insight, that um, industry uh, context back to our product teams, the better you can situate your product and what it, the specific jobs to be done that you're solving for your customers are. And so it's something that I, I was really encouraged to find at LinkedIn when I when I got in just shy of a year. I guess my year. My year mark is next week. Uh, we're gonna throw a big party. There's gonna be some fan. Congrats, fan. indeed. Uh, yep. no, thank you. <laughs> I'm, being, I'm joking. Um, no, there is a party. I'm not sure about that. But the um, <laughs> but no, we uh, one of the things I was really encouraged by was we have a very tight relationship with product, and I think that um, at a lot of tech companies, the product marketing function kind of like rides along, you know, they're sort of like hopping along uh, side the, the product team and the product team is really in the driver's seat of, um, of the enterprise. But here it feels more like we have a, a very seamless, very uh, collaborative relationship with our product teams. Um, and that's just great because I think that's the, uh, that's the end state. That's the end goal is to get to that place where uh, there's a free flow of ideas across the teams and we're able to complement each other really well. So I'm, I'm encouraged by uh, the relationship here and, and just the, the new frontiers that we're taking things. How is like the LinkedIn marketing solutions kind of part of the business? How is it like, what's the voice, the brand voice of that, of the LinkedIn marketing solutions, like team and offering and squad? How does that connect to the larger LinkedIn brand voice? Because what a cool opportunity and challenge you have to invite more and more activity on the, on the, on the platform from the marketing side. But like, what's, yeah, what's kind of the narrative going into this year? What do you want brands, you know, to know about the platform and how does that connect to the larger LinkedIn kind of brand voice? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this gets to uh, my earlier point about there's many LinkedIn's um, at the, t at the highest level, we want to be a platform of connection, of convention, of bringing people together. And we think that there's uh, a number of, um, ways to do that and sort of altitudes to do that. And, and so for, for LMS, for LinkedIn Marketing Solutions, we really think that we can provide some unique value to B2B marketers and sort of uh, outreach to them. And I, I think that's important because they haven't really had a platform built for them. You know, they've mm. sort of made do with the platforms that were out there that were really cast in a B2C die. So they, they're, mm -hmm, they're sort mm -hmm. of uh, retroactively <laughs> um, uh, using tools that, that were built for more of like an individual purchase decision uh, and a much shorter purchase journey. And so if we're able to expand that a bit and blow that up and, and really examine what B2B marketers specifically need, I think that underpins the message that we want to go out with in this new year and beyond. It's essentially that B2B marketers, hey, we get you. We understand you. We love you. And this is uh, the, the enterprise that we're engaged in here is we're trying to build a better solution for you. 
and achieving the the things that you really need to do in your jobs. So that, and I think that nests nicely within the broader um, LinkedIn message of just convention and finding those opportunities that might not be obvious. They they could be, you know, uh, a second, a third, a fourth level connection, but that could be the connection, the the relationship that opens a new set of doors for you. And so I think that they, they're very compatible and it's just a different sort of spin, a different flavor uh, to, the, to the overall message of the platform. So coming up on your, your first year, which, you know, as you, you and I both know, like a year in tech is kind of like dog years, right? Like yeah. you're a year in tech, that, 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 that counts for many, much more than just one year. So it is quite the testament to in any, anywhere in tech, I think, to be, you know, any length of time and stay, and stay put. So congrats on that. Um, l- reflecting on the past 12 months, I mean, I'm sure there's been some, some favorite wins, some, maybe some favorite failures that set you up to win this year. But just thinking back on the, kind of your first your first season, the first year there, can you talk yeah. about a favorite when you had something you were really proud of? And then also maybe if you can think of one, a favorite failure or something that like was a really tough lesson at the time, maybe seemed really tough, but then set you up later. I love that. It's uh, a great question, Jeremy. Um, so a big, uh, one of my favorite wins from the last year, we did a, an extended partnership with the Can Lions. So I, I've always loved uh, the Can Lion Fest- Festival of Creativity. I think it's a good um, barometer for uh, the industry and sort of the, the um, creative trends and big ideas and, and, and all that great stuff. And so we have been um, working with, the, with that organization for a while. And we actually, newly for, for last year, we partnered with them to introduce a special lion for um, creative and B2B. And so this had never been sort of established before. Wow, uh, that's awesome! But it was really in reaction to, um, the, you know, the the can folks recognized an increasing amount of B two B work was being entered into these other categories, but we weren't really honoring that work. We weren't really holding it up on its own terms. And so the the opportunity there was to actually coin a new a new award, and just seeing the. You know, the work that was submitted for that was very inspiring and very, it felt like um, we had a bit more sense of place in that, in that moment that has been traditionally much more B2C oriented. So I'm super excited to see what happens next year. You know, I know entries just uh, opened up like a week or two ago. So I'm super excited. I'm encouraging all my friends in the industry to, to submit their work. It's going to be, it's going to be great. You know, I think a failure I want to call it failure, Jeremy. It's, it, was, it was maybe a slight miss, but a favorite lesson. Uh, yeah, a favorite you know, lesson. One, yeah. One thing I um, I got really good advice from an old mentor of mine before starting, and his advice was basically take three months to just go meet everybody. Don't make any decisions. Just go around, like make the rounds, get a full context for the business, the genesis of the thinking, and in the directions that that things are, are sort of uh, traveling. Uh, and then you're going to be able to make your first batch of decisions will be more informed and more grounded uh, and just more successful ultimately in the long run. I said, that's great advice. Uh, no. <laughs> and so I, I, I just okay. have a, a much more of a bias to action. So I, I came in and I, um, I just wanted to get into the mix, you know, and we started. And as a result, we were able to ship uh, a campaign um, coinciding with that with that can moment uh, that that I think was important for for pushing our narrative forward 
But I do think, you know, I, I did skip a bit of a step. And we here at LinkedIn, as you could probably imagine, are a very relationship-oriented organization. So I was sort of like jumping in and assuming familiarity, but not <laughs> just just moving. Um, just because that's sort of my, I don't know, your my makeup. And I need to be more deliberate about counter, you know, counteracting that uh, sometimes. But I think it was really good advice. I, I, I wish I, I, I wish I felt a little bit more space or leisure to take that lap around mm-hmm. and then get into the work. But I just saw a bunch of things that I wanted to work on right away. So, you know, I think that that instinct got the better of me. Those are two great, great examples. And um, I, I mean, I, I especially appreciate the, you know, the 90 day, you know, strategy. And, and I've talked to, you know, a handful of marketing leaders that chose to do that right when they join. Uh, Marissa Meyer came on another show we hosted when she took over, whenever she went over to Yahoo, she got yeah. a lot of flack for doing that, for like taking the first 90 days. She was real quiet, didn't make any moves, you know, a lot yeah. of kind of negative press. And she was just doing what you said, like taking that time to, to entrench. Um, and so, and I love the choice you made too. It's like you, you said, I just have a bias for action. So you might've bumped around and, you know, and made some interesting connections and like, here you are, you know, crossing over your 12 months, like what a beautiful lesson. Yeah. I think it's important to, um, I'm a big believer in just prototyping things. mm. You think it's a good idea? Well, go build the thing and see if it works. And so I think I I sort of brought that ethos to even my like on-ramp. Uh, but I don't know, Jeremy, what do you think is the better approach? You talk to a lot of folks. So I'd love to tell you that I would have chosen the 90 day, you know, just meet yeah. people strategy. Cause I see the value as an executive leader joining, you know, from the outside, mm-hmm. I see real value in slowing down enough to do that. And that's a balance. Like to your point of like, if there's things that need attention and it's like, oh gosh, I have to jump on that. So what's the balance of like, taking time to connect and being patient, kind of slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And also, you know, showing, Hey, this is why I've been brought on, right. Is to add that value. So interesting balance. I think you played it. I mean, I think you, I think you played it well, man. And I I just think ultimately it's like, trust your intuition, trust your heart. Right. So I think that's what it comes down to. You got to trust your gut on these things. That's it. That's it. Um, so sh- shifting gears a bit, mm-hmm. you know, every day we hear more and more about this automation of content delivery and this AI content creation. We're hearing about chat GPT literally all the time. Um, AI can command the basic fundamentals of communicating, but in marketing, I still think there's this kind of innate need for taste and intuition. Oh, I totally agree. Um, in your opinion, Jim, how important will having qualified content marketing professionals be moving forward? Oh, I think it's going to be more important now than ever. There's not, there's no getting away. There's no extricating the human element. And I think, you know, generative AI is a tremendous tool and definitely a new frontier, but, but powerful tools call out for skilled artisans to use them. And I, that's how I think about the marketing role in this. You know, I, I was talking with my team um, the other day about the idea of the impresario. It's like an impresario is an old like Italianate opera term, but they were basically the arrangers of operas. They were they secured the financing. They um, identified the right talent. They identified the sort of product market fit in the opera sense, um, and, and that that role is still as important as ever because you need those people with taste and intuition and an eye for the right idea at the right time 
to be able to use these tools and apply them in the right way. And so I think I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. If anything, it's changed a lot of the dynamic because you know what's the what's the scariest thing to a creative is um, you know fear of the blank page. Well, guess what? There's no blank pages anymore. You just have chat GPT right. give you something to react to, but that reaction mm-hmm. is is everything that we've trained for, and that I think is still going to be a very critical element of this, even as the our capabilities are you know growing exponentially. So I like that. So you're so you're kind of connecting the impresario like to the like the modern day marketer being the impresario. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I love I love that distinction. Um, what a cool way to look at how we as humans can can dance with with AI and machine learning. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, I think we can. It's we're just the maestros of this. You know, there's Bingo. Uh, so many so many capabilities. How how long before AI, in your opinion, is able to meet customers where they're at, like supplanting the need for for levels of skilled marketing minds? Supplanting, I think it's going to be a very long time. I'm not going to say okay. never, but uh, I do think that there's, you know, sort of as I mentioned, I think there's always going to be a need for the human element. That said, I think that there's definitely potential. I mean, I played around with this thing. You, you've played around with Chat GPT, of course. Yes, and yes, it's fun. Yes. It's like, yes. uh, even for the early stages of this, it is really, um, you can imagine very quickly more of the, advertising stack uh, being, you know, aided by that functionality. But I don't think, I don't think we're going to get to a point where it's sort of like plug and play, let the whole thing run. Uh, right. But, you know, I, I could be wrong. The hockey stick of, of like capability and growth that, that's happening right now is truly impressive. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get there faster than I would expect. But uh, I do think we still need those skilled marketers to be able to um, orchestrate. What do you think about just how marketers can just adapt their skills to just get a just to get ahead of the AI curve? I'm sure maybe your team or folks that are around you are are asking this or curious about this. But what do you think marketers need to do to to adapt their skills to this really cool AI curve? I mean, for now they're all free tools. Just go play with them. <laughs> I think. I mean, that, mm-hmm. I've learned more just uh, messing around with it. I like to t- to ask it very. Um, philosophical questions. Like the first question I asked it was, I think it was uh, like, how should one be? It gave me a really good answer, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe we should be more worried about it replacing uh, therapists, but that gets to one of the, one of, I think the core attributes of successful marketers is that sense of play. And mm-hmm. this is just a new toy for us. So let's go and see what we can do with it and bend it and maybe break it, but just go have some fun with it. Mm. And I, I want to touch on this uh, back on the kind of vein of um, of like company-wide alignment. And I want to read this quote that you made. You had There's an article in Inc. quoted that you made. It says, in quote, in 2023, CMOs will increasingly need to translate the value of business impact of marketing strategies in a way that resonates with the finance suite. For too long, B2B marketing leaders have relied on proxy metrics that don't capture the long-term value of their brand and relationship building campaigns, end quote. Mm-hmm. Please talk to us a little, Jim, about your perspective on communicating the importance of relationship building to other key stakeholders in a company. I think this is super big and becoming yeah. even more big in the future years. Yeah, I agree. I think that we maybe have done ourselves a little bit of a disservice by 
uh, rotating so heavily on certain attributes of hallmarks of growth marketing, where uh, we are, you know, slicing and dicing campaign by campaign results, and largely speaking the language of campaign by campaign results to uh, other teams in our organizations, even sales, finance, et cetera. Um, I think we need to wholesale reorient to what's the actual business value that we're driving as an organiz- as a marketing team. What's the enterprise value of that brand that we're working so hard to build over a very long time horizon and get to more of a shared language with um, with your CFO, with um, your operations team, with uh, you know FPNA to just speak in sort of the same language and talk about things like future cash flows and how you're unlocking those with your marketing efforts. So really, I think it's a matter of just a shared language, and from that shared language, we'll get to a, a better alignment with um, with different departments. And then we'll, we'll all, you know, we're all at the end of the day trying to pull in the same direction. Uh, but I think if we're able to just make our argument and sort of uh, make our case in uh, not in like, how oh, we reached 43 million people. Was that good? What, how big is the universe? What should we be doing? Like what, and what <laughs> right. do they think after you've reached them? Like there's so much more to unpack in terms of real business value of our marketing efforts. And that's why I think if marketing teams are, are adjudicating the success of their campaigns sort of one by one based on just the metrics of those campaigns, I think you're missing the bigger picture. Um, and it's why we're working on products like uh, revenue attribution reporting. So can we actually um, orchestrate sales and marketing uh, cooperation and contribution together to show actually that marketing campaign made for... Uh, a, a shorter, you know, um, a shorter purchase journey, a better, uh, you know, quality customer, higher LTV. These are all the things that I think we can um, push ourselves to to keep our eyes on, rather than just saying like, oh, well, we reached a lot of people, and you know, their MPS was positive. I think that we could go mm. further than that. And so this is wow. this is like I'm um, I'm very enthusiastic about this this direction. Yeah, it's something that I I'm starting to see. An interesting through line with you know modern day marketing leaders and CMOs. It's like the if I find that some of the most successful ones are the ones that are able to reach across the aisle and build trust with the CFO and the and like you said operations and the CTO and the CISO. Yeah. It's like these days the marketing leader you know has such to be such a utility player where it's no longer just talking about you know campaigns and strategies. Like you got to understand the impact across all these stakeholders and then build relationship and trust with them too. And at, you know, scale at global scale, like LinkedIn, it's, it's critical, right? So yeah. what a cool, what a cool, again, intersection to be at. And I see the importance there. You mentioned, you know, data points that are helpful in creating alignment with key decision makers. Are there other things, if any, that kind of anecdotally that you find really support your ability to accelerate trust with other leaders and like build that connection really fast because we're moving quick, we're in a fast world? What works really well for you to build that trust and rapport for other stakeholders? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the the um, the best tool we have in this toolkit is not fast or easy. Um, but we uh, uh, some time ago we embarked on a journey to to set up an MMM, a media mix model, and that kind of uh, econometric approach just gives us a much 
more comprehensive view of all of the stuff that we're doing. And I think we also over rotate on specifically paid campaigns because we see, you know, we get a lot of data back from the people we run those lovely campaigns with, but, um, and they're, you know, they're more immediately sort of quick turn. Um, but more of that long range brand building gets short shrift in those kind of measurement, uh, models. So we made the decision a while ago, pretty much right when I started, and the work even predated me getting here, but uh, to, to really invest in, a, in an MMM and use that as more of our source of truth for um, just triaging across all of our efforts and seeing what is really driving the, the, the best benefit first. And then second, making our case to um, to other departments within our organization. And that's really, we're just starting to get the results out of that, which is like, it's a long year to work on this thing. And shouts mm-hmm. to our uh, GPO team uh, to, for, for working on this for, for so long. But there's, um, now we've got better signal. We've got more intelligence. We've got a, a stronger sense of what's working and what kind of value we're putting on the table. And so now that's, that's our opening when we go in to talk to other teams. It's like, hey, look at this. This gives us a, a more comprehensive view of, of how we're driving um, success for the org. And so I, I, I wish that there are a way, there were easier ways to get there. Um, but for us, it was just, we've got a lot of data stores. We got to hook them all up together and we've got to work with partners to, to help us contextualize that. But um, I think it, it, it can be transformational if you do the work and you invest the time. What is your kind of favorite like data points, like business intelligence that like you like to look, keep up with and look at as a marketing leader within LinkedIn, especially, you know, VP over a really important part of the business and the the marketing solutions part of the business. Um, Yeah. What do you like to pay attention to in terms of metrics Mm -hmm. and data? Is this a daily thing that you're looking at dashboards weekly? What are you paying attention to right now? What are you excited about in terms of the metrics and the data? I look with some regularity. I think you can look too much too. You sort of need to uh, wander off from it and then come back to it. Um, But there's a couple of things I look at really closely. I look at uh, unbranded search because I think that's a pretty good barometer of just latent demand in the system. Uh, And as that rises and falls, I think it it, uh, correlates pretty nicely to our efforts in the marketplace. I also, I think my, my North Star KPI as an organization, and I've worked now for three platforms, and I think this is the most important one, but it's um, the concept of must buy. Are you a line item on that plan that cannot be cut? Uh, because otherwise you're down, you know, you're down the sheet a little bit for, uh, further, uh, you're expendable. So can you make it up into that upper echelon of partners that under no circumstances can you cut them from the plan. So at three companies now, I've looked specifically at um, are you a, are we a must buy platform? And the only way to really get to this, you get, there are some like leading indicators, but the only way to get to it is through surveys and panels. But I really key into that as if we are seen as essential to the enterprise. And now it's, are we essential to B2B marketers? Do they see us as being one of the, their first ports of call when they're setting up that new campaign um, before they allocate all the other budget. That's what I key into as if we're able to move that and it's a very sticky, sludgy metric uh, and it takes years and years to move. But if we're able to move that, then we're making some success. 
and so that's that I that's the top of my mind when I think of where we're moving. But as it, it takes a long time to move, so it doesn't behoove it doesn't like uh, um, help us to like keep checking in on it. So you check on it quarterly, uh, maybe even biannually, and that gives you a good sense of how you're rising and falling. Are you looking at an increase in spend? Or are you just saying, have they been a customer for X amount of time? The longer they're a customer, the more yeah, sticky they have become. I mean, revenue will come and go, but partnership should be more durable. It's a way that I approach a lot of the partnerships that I've forged uh, in this role and prior roles. But you know, budgets can are dependent on a lot of things. And so sometimes they're there and sometimes they're not. But really that that continual working relationship and the longevity of that connection is what really matters. And that's that's going to be a, a magnet for spend when the spend comes. So I even say, you know, I, I think that things like must buy are more characteristic of just overall relationship health than am I, do I have, you know, this money for you in this quarter? And that's why I think this is one of the luxuries of marketing is we can be a little bit, we could take a slightly longer view than some other departments. We can, you know, gaze out <laughs> and invest in that longer term relationship with, with our customers, with our partners. And that's the value we can bring is we can sort of poke our heads up and, and look out a little further. Um, and so that's why I look at these, these kind of relationship health KPIs more so than did we win that specific budget on that campaign. Have you had to deal with restricted budgets for either for marketing or tech spend like a lot of other marketing leaders? Have you had to deal with that kind of this year? If so, like how are you dealing with it? Um, I think this is going to be really interesting for every marketer out there because look, we're all having to look at the landscape a little bit differently. Um, but you and, and your business unit, such an important you know part of LinkedIn's overall growth, having to do more with less, right? How do you navigate that? Is that even the case for you this year? would love to get inside your head there. I don't know what you're talking about, Jeremy. We're flush right now. <laughs> I mean, has anybody said that to you? I, God, no I, one said that yet. I no one cannot said that yet. imagine. Um, no, you know, of course. You know, this is this is a different. We're entering a different economic age right now, and we uh, we're just going to have to do more with less. I actually view that as kind of an opportunity. Uh, you know, creativity thrives in constraint. And there's no bigger constraint than, hey, give back 30% of your budget. Uh, <laughs> and, and that, yeah. I think a lot of the marketers I, I talk to, you know, my peers in the industry, when when we talk about it, we're like, we're sort of amped up about the opportunity. Like, we're like, well, look, watch what I could do with with mm-hmm. less. Watch what, watch yeah. what our team is capable of. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of like how we're dealing with it, I had a good friend at Google who used to use this expression, um, rocks, not pebbles. <laughs> and it's, it's really, we, we want to keep our focus on what are those big, um, opportunities, those big, uh, needle moving initiatives and some of the That's smaller good. onesie twosie stuff, maybe we set aside for now. They might be cool experiments and we will definitely come back to them if they're good ideas. And we still like the idea when we come back, but how do we, put more wood behind fewer arrows? How do we uh, really go big with those big rocks and then back burner some of those other opportunities? So it's something I, I've been pushing the team uh, more on is focus. Just pick those things that you think are going to be the real winning campaigns that we're going to 
you know, talk about in a year, two, three years time um, and, and put more effort behind those and bring more teams into the cause uh, and, and try to try to make those into much bigger things. On that team note, I'm just curious about kind of the new the new workplace, this kind of more distributed workforce. How do you, yeah, how do you best support the team? It's kind of a two-part question. One is like, how do you best support your team now in this really new new world that we're living and working in? And then the second part is like, what kind of support do you as the marketing leader need now entering into 2023? Like if you could, you know, wave the magic wand of support and maybe it's already happening for you there. But what kind of support do you need? What kind of support does your team need this year? And what kind of support do you need this year to be really successful? Yeah, I, I think that the toughest thing to recreate in this um, new era of remote work and distributed teams is just that um, that magic of sort of sitting around and just talking and not having an agenda or necessarily structured to it. Because I think that creates an atmosphere that just, it gets more synapses firing. And so that's been a really difficult thing to recreate in this world. It's not impossible. We've tried a, a number of things. I don't think we have a killer app for it yet, but um, recreating that, you know, I think back to the most uh, productive parts of my career and th- they were usually tied to a very specific location. And like I think about the fourth floor 900 chariot YouTube we had our whole team there and we would just talk all day, just sort of bad ideas around and talk about whatever. It doesn't even need to be necessarily work. And that just created a very fertile ground for different ideas and different thinking and lateral ideas. So I think that that's, that's the thing that we got to figure out how we capture, recapture, like how do we bring that back? So I think that's one thing where I'm, I'm trying to get really um, creative with how we how we make that, how we can create more unstructured time to just give rise to more ideas. Um, As a leader, I think some of the most important resources at our disposal, well, uh, the most important resource really is, is just trust. You know, we are um, trying to figure some stuff out here and and having (laughs) a little bit of um, slack in the line and room to move and also to make mistakes to fall one of my big principles in in just management is sometimes you got to let people's reach exceed their grasp. You got to let them fail at things mm. because that's the only way they're going to learn and get stronger. So I think that's the thing that I, I really look to as a leader is just give me a little bit of, give me a little bit of room to figure some stuff out. Not everything we do is going to be right, but at least we're learning, we're getting better as an organism, as a marketing department. And so that's, um, that's like my big ask. You've dropped a lot of, you know, a lot of wisdom nuggets and kind of, you know, bombs on in this conversation already. Um, but just as an aside, you know, we always ask, you know, any kind of valuable business advice or marketing wisdom that you've kind of, you know, picked up over the course of your career. If you could think through all of the great things that you've, you know, and understand, is there anything that sticks out as like a really valuable piece of marketing wisdom that you can leave with our audience? Sure. Um, I've gotten a lot of good, I feel like I'm a product of my mentors and, uh, and, and my coaches over the years. But one thing that sticks with me, and I've used it a couple of times just in the last week, uh, so it's, it's fresh in my mind, is we used to have a saying at Google, which was people only see the work. They don't see the path that you took to get there. They don't see the notes that you took. They don't see the internal politics that led to those decisions or 
why the thing looks like that. They only see the work. And so you better damn well make sure that work is good. And so I think about that a lot. You know, the process is just the prologue. You got really got to get to mm. um, an idea that that can connect with people. Uh, so I think about that a lot. Oh, love that one. That's great. Writing that one down for the personal notes. Jim for the win. Um, last couple questions here. What does a successful 2023 look like for LinkedIn or just LinkedIn Marketing Solutions? And then also, what does a successful 23 look like for Jim Habig? A successful 2023 professionally, I think, would be uh, continuing down this path of just establishing ourselves in this B2B marketing ecosystem and showing, you know, approaching um, our customers in a, in, with a posture of partnership and working closely with them to just ensure that we're continually making our product better. We're continuing to address their jobs to be done uh, and we're continuing to just improve that relationship across uh, across that aisle. And so I think that that... Um, that's like my my grandiose vision for for this year, uh, and I'd love to um, move that down the line. Tactically speaking, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier this the B two B lion. I'd love to do some work that is in conversation for for actually winning that thing because then I think yes, we've yes. really done something that um, has resonated with this community and and. Um, is able to connect with with B two B marketers, so that this is sort of my twin wishes for this year. Um, personally, I feel like at the end of the day, all I want is just to be able to spend more time with my kids. Uh, we uh, we had a a, a son um, just over a year ago, like thirteen months ago, and so and I started this job in rapid succession, and the the sort of twin stressors of having a brand new baby and a new job at the same yeah. time. So maybe I bit off way a little bit more. Way to pile it on. Way to pile it on there, Joe. <laughs> exactly. So, so no, I just, um, but now, you know, a year in, I feel like I got my feet under me a little bit more. Uh, our son is now a year old. He's, you know, getting to be very, very fun. He can do like tricks now. So, uh, so you know, that, <laughs> that, those two things happening at the same time are really encouraging. And I'm um, just looking forward to spending more time with, with those little rugrats. I love it. Well, I share that sentiment with you as a dad of four, uh, four under the age of five in our wow. house. So it's wild. It's You're a wild ride at our house, man. Um, but it's, you know, like, you know, I, I think, you Where know, is all this the amazing quiet business. place you're podcasting from, Jeremy? <laughs> this is our studio. This is our a studio. separate location. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, all the, all the business success and cool things I've had a chance to, you know, be a part of, I mean, there's nothing like being, like, it's my magnum opus is being a dad, like no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. That's so good way um, it. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on there. Um, and Jim, I mean, this has been an incredible conversation. Look, LinkedIn is such a a cool partner of ours and a platform that we use so much. I've seen it be a big part of our own growth just organically mm-hmm. in the community and business and tech. And so it was really cool to see your name, you know, come across our desk and just such a cool conversation. So thank you for being a part of this conversation. Thanks for really dropping the mic in a lot of really cool ways. Um, I'm excited for you, for the whole team there at LinkedIn Marketing Solutions and keep going. I'm sure we're going to see you CEO, CMO somewhere. Who knows where you'll be, man, in the next few years, but I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention. Thanks for being here, Jim. Thank you so much, Jeremy. It was a thrill to chat with you and uh, let's do it again sometime, all right? Let's do it. All right. 
you have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.